0: Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. The freedoms that Americans enjoy are not free and can be attributed to the dedicated service and the blood sweat, and tears of many generations of our nation's military. The military hours dedicated to the servicemen and women, veterans, and their families that have made the sacrifice to defend our Constitution and country. Military service is being part of something that is greater than yourself. General Joseph Dunford, 19th Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And now, it's the military hour with your host, Donna Lyon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is the Military Hour. I am your host, Donna Lyons, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., right here on the Lyons Radio Network. And um, I've been off all summer, so this is kind of fun to come back and uh, get acclimated with my studio again and show. So it's kind of exciting, and we have lots of really cool guests coming uh, starting in September. So uh, can't wait for you guys to tune in. Don't forget, we have lots of other shows. We have Spiritual Intelligence uh, with our host, Ema Sumac Watkins, and she's had some really cool people on lately. Jess Messen broadcasts with Jess Full, who's an artist here in Baltimore, and she's just had some crazy cool guests. She just had one of the guys from the Goo, Goo dolls, so check out some of the past shows. we really appreciate it um but today, I kind of wanted to talk about um the hundred and fifty fifth anniversary of the Congressional Medal of Honor. I was hired as managing editor for their publication and what was really cool about that is I was able to get all five living presidents to participate. They wrote letters for me and they gave me photos and we incorporated that into the publication. We also had Bob Woodruff, who is Woodruff. I'm sorry, I mispronounced that. He is a news journalist. As many of you know, he went over and um, he was hit by an IED when he was traveling and doing um, uh, some news over there in Afghanistan. But he wrote the foreword for the publication, and it turned out just incredible. And some of the stories we had in there were just so uh, moving. They're learning. You can learn from them. And you can just see how much that these people that became Congressional Medal of Honor recipients did for other people without thinking of themselves. So it's really incredible. I hope that when it was out there that you guys all got a copy of it and you were able to read some of the stories. But for those of you who didn't, there's one story in particular, and I would like to, over the next um, couple months, pull some of these stories out and read them as I can and get them to you because I think they're really super important um, and you can learn from them. And, uh, and I hope that you pass it on. I hope that you pass on this show to other people to listen to because this story is incredible. And it was written by Gina Renee Meyer, who is one of our hosts here. She's also a writer as well as I am. And so I asked her to write, uh, some articles for the publication, and she sure did, and this is one of them, and I I, want to read this to you, so I hope you'll bear with me. It'll probably be about 30 minutes long, but I think you're really going to like it. On February 3, 1943, four courageous and calm chaplains joined their arms in alms and stood boldly singing hymns and praying. The sound of English, Hebrew, and Latin was heard among those who were being jogged within the vast sea of dimly fading red lights. Each chaplain was aware that their mission had been completed, and within their last few moments of life is where their story would begin and they would become immortalized. In November of 1942, Reverend Fox, Father Washington, Reverend Poling, and Rabbi Good were introduced to each other while attending chaplain school at Harvard University. As they waited to hear where they would be sent to serve, they found a common bond in brotherly love through their mutual love for God. Forty-two-year-old Reverend George L. Fox was a Methodist minister. Fox was only 17 years old when he was convinced He convinced the Army that he was 18 and enlisted as a medical corps assistant in World War I. Then, being that he was no stranger to war, when World War II broke out, he said, I've got to go. I know from experience what our boys are about to face. They need me. However, upon his return, he did not enlist as a medic. He returned as a chaplain. Fox wanted not only to be of service to help heal their wounds, but also heal their hearts. 34-year-old Father John P. Washington was a Catholic priest. Father Washington was one of nine children in an immigrant Irish family, a lover of music and born with a beautiful voice. The strong-witted street fighter never ran away from a challenge and had a unique gift of getting others to confide in him. When he heard that America was at war, he knew that despite a permanent injury to his right eye, he had to try to enlist. He applied... For the Navy, but after his examination, his application was reject- rejected. He then applied for the Army and it was accepted. 32 year old Reverend Clark Poling was a Dutch Reformed minister. And Poling was pastoring in New York when World War II threatened freedom, and he wanted to enlist in the Army. His father, having served as chaplain himself in World War I, told his son, Don't you know chaplains have the highest mortality rate of all? As a chaplain, you'll have the best chance to be killed. You just can't carry a gun. Poling, having understood the wisdom of his father, accepted the commission and joined the chaplain's corps. 31-year-old Rabbi Alexander Good. He was an idealistic intellectual who followed in his father into the ministry and became a rabbi. When the war was declared, he wanted to serve the people who would find themselves within harm's way. His larger passion was to create a new world from the pulpit in what he called the century of humanity. He wrote, because Christianity and Judaism have influenced the progress of democracy through their common Bible, the moral standards of religion have become the standards of democracy. The democratic element in religion lies in the fact that it regards God as the father of all men. Consequently, all men are brothers, and as brothers we are responsible to one another by ties of brotherly love. On January 23, 1943, 64 ships lined the New York Harbor. Within its mist was the USAT Dorchester, also referred to as Ship Number the Dorchester was set to sail that day bound for Greenland with 902 officers, servicemen, and civilian workers, four of which were the chaplains, Reverend Fox, Father Washington, Reverend Poling, and Rabbi Good. As the passengers boarded the ship, the four chaplains stood side-by-side, watching as each passenger entered. and With an occasional shout-out of, welcome aboard, they were showing the men that when people joined together from different faiths of religion, all things were possible. The Dorchester set sail at 7 o'clock in the morning. The ship convoy included freighters, tankers, and was escorted by corvettes and destroyers. The fleet sailed in a single file until the New York skyline receded from their sight. Once out to sea, they continued on a zigzag formation in hopes they would enable the ship to dodge all possible torpedoes ahead. Whatever danger laid waiting, the chaplains would not waste their time with worry. Their job, explained within the chaplain's training manual, is to be the servant of God for all, and no narrow sectarian spirit should color his utterances nor should his personal work assist only a special group. The moment they stepped foot on board, they got to work, visiting each of the men in their quarters. The majority of the time they visited together, sharing the gratitude that American had towards them and encouraging them that the ship they were on was fit to sail. After all, the Dorchester had already been on five missions and always returned home safely. The seas were rough, and as they traveled onward, their destination, the majority of the men caught the sickness of the sea and needed to be tended to. The chaplains were not spared from this ordeal, for they too became ill. But not one of them let that stand in their way of their obligations to the men. The men became very close to their chaplains because, by example, they had shown them that they truly were all for one and one for all. February second began to show promise. The storms had finally began to subside and because of the men were still ill, they worried little about what dangers might still be lurking within the waters below. How could their suffering be any greater than it already was? At three thirty PM they received communication from the Tampa which blinked a short message to the USAT Dorchester. We are being followed, submarines estimated in our vicinity. Inform all ships to close up tightly and stay closed for the night. At around 6.30 p.m., as the men were gathering for their dinner, the voice of Chaplain Danielson blasted over the loudspeaker. Now hear this, this concerns every soldier. Now hear this, every soldier is ordered to sleep with his clothes and life jacket, repeating, this is an order. We have a submarine following us. If we make it through the night, In the morning, we will have air protection from Blue West 1, which is the code name for the air base in Greenland. And, of course, we will have protection until we reach port. Captain Danielson repeated it one more time, ensuring that every man on board understood that they were to sleep dressed in all the clothes that they had, including shoes, hats, gloves, parkas, and their life jackets. When he was sure there was no miscommunication in his orders, he wished them all good luck. Silence immediately reigned as the men stopped eating, their appetites suddenly gone. But then Reverend Fox, noticing the change within the men, stood up and announced that it was time for a party. Weeks prior, the chaplains had decided they were going to have an amateur night to lift up the spirits of the men. But the rough seas and the health of the men had prevented it from happening. At this point, there was no reason to put it off any longer. There might not be a tomorrow. So it was announced over the loudspeaker there was going to be a party in the mess hall. For the first time since the four chaplains had arrived they were finally doing what they wanted to do when they volunteered to serve in the war and God willing the USAT Dorchester would arrive safely in Greenland. The four chaplains had no idea what their fate would be that night and they wanted to give the men at least a few hours of joy that might bring about fond memories of home. They also wanted to make death less painful for the men in the event that death actually arrived. After the party was over, Father Washington gave a service sharing that all men were to follow the orders of their captain, and then was quoted as saying, all of you know the Lord's Prayer. Go sing it, say it, whatever. It'll help you. Later, it would be shared that that was the only time Father Washington ever brought religion into one of his services. The rest of the time, he was just a man who was there to take care of other men. Before the four chaplains retired that night, they went around the ship, reiterating to the men what their captain had said. Every soldier is ordered to sleep with his clothes and life jacket on. When midnight had passed, many of the men thought they might have escaped danger. And because of engine's heat, many of the men disregarded their captain's orders and decided to sleep in their underwear. Others ignored the warning because their life jackets were just too uncomfortable. At 12.55 a.m. on February 3rd, 1944, the men unitedly met their greatest fear face-to-face when only 150 miles from their destination, one of Eric Passler's torpedoes smashed into the USAT Dorchester, entering slightly behind the starboard side near the engine room, ripping a hole from below the water line to the top of the deck. Immediately, the lights went out. Men were thrown from their bunks, pipes broke the strong odor of gunpowder and ammonia arrived and much like a tidal wave the water rushed in drowning many of the oilers and engineers many others were scaled to death by vapors from broken steam pipes and the broiler within minutes as many as 300 men had drowned in the meantime the four chaplains jumped from their bunks and with unwavering face set out to save as many men as possible Because they were driven by more than duty to their country, they were inspired by the love they had for their god. As the ship began to rapidly sink, the four ran from their stateroom onto the main deck. As they approached the deck, they heard wounded and frightened survivors as they screamed in terror, frantically groping in the dark for exits they couldn't locate. Within the darkness is when many of the men began to hear the calming of the light. As the four chaplains began to speak words of comfort, Trying to bring order within the panicked ship. Gradually, the men began finding their way to the deck of the ship, many clothed and only their underwear. They were met by the freezing wind. Petty Officer John Mahoney was one such man who, when arrived on the deck, realized that he had forgotten his gloves. With a few choice words, he turned back to retrieve them when he heard Rabbi Good ask, Where are you going? To get my gloves, he replied. "'Don't bother, Mahoney. I have another pair. You can have these.' He pulled off the gloves and gave them to him. At first, Mahoney refused to take them because he knew it would be hard for anyone to survive in the icy waters without gloves. It seemed unacceptable to condemn the rabbi to death. Mahoney slipped the gloves over his bitter hands and returned to the freezing deck. It wouldn't be until he reached safety where he came to new understanding of what transpired within the heart of his fearless chaplain— rabbi good must have suspected that he would never leave the usat dorchester alive through the 20 minutes of chaos that would bring the men to safety or their death the four army chaplains brought hope to the men as they quickly spread themselves out among them each trying to tend to the wounded calm the frightened and guide the men to where they were going into shock towards safety into the water By the time most of the men made it topside, the chaplains opened a storage locker and began passing out life vests that had red flashing lights attached to them. The red lights were attached in hopes that their rescuers would be able to find them in the darkness of the sea. And when there were no more life jackets within the storage room, the chaplains removed theirs and gave them to four unknown young men. As the Dorchester was positioning itself for its final descent, survivors in the nearby lifeboats could see the four chaplains and watched as they joined their arms in alms and stood boldly, singing hymns and praying. The sound of English, Hebrew, and Latin was heard among those who were being jogged within the vast sea of dimly fading red lights. Of the 902 men aboard the USAT Dorchester, 672 died, leaving 230 survivors, many of which would spend the rest of their days retelling the story of the four chaplains, whom, when giving their life jackets, Reverend Fox and Poling did not call out for a Protestant, mm-hmm. Rabbi Good did not call out for a Jew, and Father Washington did not call out for a Catholic. They simply gave their life jackets as the purest example of what the Talmud teaches, Whoever destroys a soul, it is considered as if he destroyed an entire world. And whoever saves a life, it is considered as if he saved an entire world. On July 14, 1960, a one-time only posthumous special medal for heroism was authorized by the Act of Congress and awarded by President Eisenhower on January 18, 1961, Congress attempted to confer the Medal of Honor, but was blocked by the stringent requirements that require heroism performed under fire. The special medal was intended to have the same weight and importance as the Medal of Honor, also known as the Chaplain's Medal of Honor and the Chaplain's Medal of Heroism. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.